for they deserve to exist because they exist and they're part of the the ecosystem and they're part of the culture and the history of the area you know they were here well before us and they deserved to live beside us welcome to pelicanus i'm your host austin parker Pelicanus highlights the people and organizations that are making it their purpose to grow the conservation field, to make right the wrongs of our past, and to show how people have and still are making a monumental difference in our world. And we want to tell their stories. So we're here to show that not only is there something that can be done, it is being done by dedicated scientists who have made conservation their life, and that we can find optimism through science. On this episode, we're focusing on the conservation of burrowing owls in San Diego, California. So I talked to two wildlife biologists with the San Diego Zoo Global Burrowing Owl Recovery Program. Let's meet them now. Suzanne Marchak, Research Coordinator. Colleen Wazinski, Conservation Program Specialist. We are in the Recovery Ecology Group at the San Diego Zoo Institute for Conservation Research. Let's start with the basics, like what is a burrowing owl? Um, burrowing owls are a, a species of concern at the federal level. Uh, they are, they're found throughout the Western Hemisphere, but they're declining across most of that range. And here in San Diego County, they have been on steady decline and they're now down to basically one breeding population in the entire county. And so the, the wildlife agencies that are that oversee the area where the burrowing owls currently live approached the zoo to to try to help them better understand what's going on with the population. As a species declines, you always ask why or, or how did this happen? But in the case of the burrowing owl, it's an easy answer. Burrowing owls are grassland species, so they require fairly large areas of open grassland um, that don't have a lot of trees, high structures, um, don't have a lot of topography. Basically, any place that would be easy to build on is a place that a burrowing owl would probably be able to inhabit. Yeah, and because it's easy to build on, I think grasslands tend to be one of the first developed areas within a region. As we decrease the amount of available grassland, right, we're increasing the edge effects of those grasslands. So, you know, Colleen was saying that as a grassland species, you generally would have like large expanses of grasslands, very few like tall structures like trees. And now we have patches of grassland that are surrounded by urban areas, trees like eucalyptus, edges on canyon lands, um, palm trees, light posts, palm trees, light posts, telephone poles. So all of these structures help increase the larger raptor population that wouldn't normally maybe naturally occur in a grassland ecosystem. I always think of them as being right in the middle yeah, of the, the food middle chain, food chain, which is a really, really rough place yeah, to be. Yeah, being, being both an aerial species and a ground-dwelling species, like they're susceptible to pretty much every type of 
meso predator or predation event. So anything that flies can and will eat meat can take an opportunity to eat them on traditional ground predators like coyotes or skunks or cats. With this decline due to habitat loss and an increase in unnatural predators, I wanted to hear about the program they started to recover this species. This is the eighth year of the project. So the first probably four years, five years, were more strictly fact-finding. And since then, we are at the point now where we're starting to try to breed owls in captivity to try to repopulate the population in San Diego County. And that has, so we've taken a more active role in management in that way. We're trying to to facilitate um, conservation of burrowing owls in Southern California. We have partnerships with different organizations and different entities. So we work very closely with the Fish and Wildlife Service and the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. Um, we started out trying to ask pretty broad questions, but in a but in a smaller area. So we were tasked with trying to understand the population dynamics in San Diego County for the population of burrowing owls here. And because of the work and the relationships that we've built that has grown into um, trying to better understand effects of mitigation actions relating to burrowing owls throughout Southern California. We follow individual birds and follow their nests. Um, We put GPS transmitters on birds and we track where they go, um, track if they survive, how well they survive, how many juveniles they produce every year. We're also trying to understand how different translocation techniques affect, affect owls and how effective they are for mitigating against effects of development. In order to conduct this type of work, they have specific strategies and methods they use like banding individual birds. The purpose of banding the birds is so that we can tell individuals apart. So we, we use two different kinds of bands. The way that I describe it is that we give them a, a band that the government issues, which if you mark any kind of bird, you have to put one of their bands on it, which has an individual number that is not repeated ever. So it's basically like their social security number. And and then we use a color band that has an alphanumeric code on it that's also individual. So that I think of as the bird's name. And by being able to tell individuals apart, we can learn a lot about their population dynamics so we can understand who survives from year to year We can look at movement because we might see a bird in one location in one year or, you know, in one month, and then we see them somewhere else at a different time. Um, Yeah, we've had birds, you know, recited by citizen scientists and posted online to to those uh, citizen science apps. We can look on and see that they've seen one of our birds. It's pretty cool. They also use another type of technology that may be familiar to you. We use camera traps to monitor breeding burrows of burrowing owls 24 hours a day over the entire course of a breeding season. So you can watch the story of a 
royal family unfold that you would never be able to bear witness to, you know, making weekly visits. And it's not a very new or snazzy technology, but I think we learn an amazing amount about these, these guys and about other animals just using camera traps, just by virtue of nobody being there. As an organization like the zoo to be able to use those that kind of information to spread the story and make people really care about yeah it's like it's like using technology to create like that human connection to wildlife they've put an incredible amount of work into this program so where do they go from here what's next but one of the strategies that we've been trying to do this year is is um, try to establish additional breeding nodes of burrowing owls throughout the county so rather than try and expand the Otay Mesa population any further through additional land acquisition and changing that land to be accommodating for burrowing owls you know we're looking at already conserved properties in other parts of the county like Hamul, potentially Ramona where there have perhaps been burrowing owls, breeding burrowing owls there in the past, and um, for one reason or another are no longer there. Um, so yeah, hopefully through you know future partnerships, we might be able to have different breeding populations of owls throughout the county rather than all in Otay Mesa. Like in the case of this humble translocation, we moved five pairs of adult owls and and had them. They all ended up laying eggs on the site, but not every original pair was successful in raising chicks so then we ultimately had three of those three pairs of owls having 17 chicks and you know you just hope that next year who's going to show you know you wonder who's going to show up and so the success of a translocation you know long term won't be known until next year these projects they've created are pivotal for the survival of burrowing owl in san diego how does this affect the communities, the people of San Diego? And why should we care? People ask all the time, why, like, why should I care? Why, why do burrowing owls matter? What do they do for me? And it's, I always find it to be a really hard question to answer because it really does come down to values and what is important to you. And yeah, and, to, and, to yeah. me, they, it, they, they're valuable because they have, to me, they have just as much right to be here as any other animal, including us. You know that they, and I think that that plays into this whole idea that you know we we can also like see their lives and they have they just have a to me it's a, they have a right to exist because they exist. I mean they're incredibly cute. <laughs> <laughs> I've never known somebody upset one, except maybe some developers, but. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think I would just go back to what you said before. They deserve to exist because they exist and they're part of. The, the ecosystem I, I, and they're part of the culture and the history of the area you know they were here well before us and they deserved to live beside us this type of project needs collaboration and lots of it something that that makes that gets me excited is that we started this project we started this very long journey in 2011 and it was a very rocky road in the beginning it was a challenging project it was there were challenges with collaborators there were challenges with the way that we 
we're going to try to do some of the work that we did, particularly with the squirrels. It, it was taking a lot of people with very different opinions, putting them all in a room and hoping for the best. And I feel like as a conservation community around burrowing owls, because of the work that we've done and the relationships that we've built, I feel like we have a really strong collaborative group now that really does have some ideas for how to improve things and really has the the will to try to make some changes. I think I'd love to see more burrowing owls throughout San Diego County and I think we this year we made the first step towards that with the translocation to Hamul and um, I think we're going to continue to be part of the bigger conversation about this species not only within the county but in the region and and in the state and I think that we will continue to try to find creative solutions to problems that we probably can't even foresee yet. Here I ask the same question I ask everyone is what is it about their job that keeps them going? My favorite thing about my job I think really is that I do get to see the secret life of animals that most people are unaware of. It, I just, I love the fact that I have this window into what's happening, and not even just with the burrowing owls, but because of the job that I do and the fact that I am paying attention to it, all of the things that I notice mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis that are happening around me in the natural world that I think a lot of people probably don't have and that I think it really enriches my life and I think it would enrich a lot of people's lives to be as aware of all of these other little lives that are happening around us. I think it's a really cool job where you get to use like both the creative and analytical mm-hmm. side of your brains constantly to the point where I mean it gets really exhausting. <laughs> to the point of exhaustion. But we do you know every day is different, every week is different, every month is different, and we have all of these problems that haven't been solved before. So you can't just Google it and say, well, how do I build the perfect artificial bro? No, we had to go out and you know we had to sit together, come up with some designs, go out and test it, and make changes based upon that like we're always looking at ways to improve the efficiency of our job the ways that we can help um, improve uh, the monitor our monitoring efforts for the owls and how we can make things better for the owls and just think that it's that's pretty freaking cool yeah I agree I love getting to be a creative scientist I think a lot of times it's put you're put in one box or another you're either like really analytical or you're really creative and I don't think that's true at all. I think both of us are pretty good examples of people that have a lot of creativity, but also have a lot of analytical skills, too. So I agree. This is where they put the weirdos, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to know where their passion comes from. How did they get into this field and why are they sticking with it? I was lucky enough to grow up in a place where I could play outside all the time um, and where that was something that was encouraged uh, my being growing up in the right place at the right time to be able to play in nature and and appreciate it and then and then when I when I was in fourth grade I had a teacher that was 
really interested in conservation issues. It was a opened the door to me that I I wasn't just a fourth grade kid in southeastern Wisconsin that I am a citizen of the planet and that I have some obligation to try to to take care of it and um, you know as a as one of these very lucky human beings that gets to be alive in this place at this time and and so it, I think it just put it in it put all these things that I think I already had inside me into context as far as having a, a passion or a, an issue to to rally behind and yeah I grew up loving being outside and yeah part of that same sort of generation of um, not really you know the internet wasn't invented yet <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you just kind of got kicked out of the house for the day and to play around and I just loved being outside but um, yeah I, did, I didn't have a really big exposure to different types of careers growing up and it wasn't until college and I started taking just general science classes because I didn't know what I want to do that I found out that I could make a living being outside helping wildlife and I've ever since being little I've always been more of like that helper personality so I knew I wanted to do something that helped people or helped animals the turning point for me was when um I was doing my undergraduate degree at UCLA they have a program called the field biology quarter we had an opportunity to go to Nicaragua for about a month and just like live in the rainforest and research animals and learn about that ecosystem and I just fell in love with field biology there and that's when I realized wow like you can really make this happen if you want to it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard to make it happen. That's a whole other discussion. But um, but I, I knew it was possible. And so at that point, I was like, I know I want to be a field biologist. And... Colleen brings up a good point about their backgrounds and how we can create childhoods like theirs. We were both, I think, fortunate. Well, all of us are most of us in this field have been fortunate enough to to be in the right socioeconomic level to be able to do what we do because it does take a lot of outside help to be able to fund going to school to take the opportunities where you may not get paid for a job but it's going to give you a really valuable experience and to have the opportunity to do that is definitely not something that's been lost on me and it's something i think about a lot is how do yeah. we how do we empower people from different socioeconomic levels, particularly more underserved communities, to how do we make give them the opportunity to to do the kind of job that we do and bring their voice and their perspective to what we do. And I think it's really important too as our whole population moves toward being more urbanized, that it's childhoods like ours are gonna be fewer and farther between in terms of just like just go play in the backyard for the next eight hours because you have a backyard that allows you to do that and you have, you know, a safe place that you can that you can do that and you can let that imagination run and just experience being outside and what that means and I think something that gives me hope is that I'm blown away by I'm so blown away by the natural world because we all are here by chance. Like it was a lot of random things that had to line up in order for us to be humans on 
this like one inhabitable rock in the whole universe and the fact that all of those chances could line up to get us to this point like there has to be something something good has to is gonna come down the road even if we do screw up this planet i i do have hope that the universe will right itself and you know hopefully either earth or some other planet will get to start off and on that jump and make these crazy random things line up and start its own journey exactly (laughs) but but that's why i try and encourage other people that may be like you know to you can still follow your passion through your skills or whatever job you have like you don't need to be just a field biologist or wildlife biologist to make an impact on a species if you're a great accountant you know every we have everything all this infrastructure that helps us do our job so if you're a great accountant if you're a great pr person if you're a great engineer computer programmer whatever it is like you can make a difference in your own personalized way towards helping wildlife i'd like to thank colleen wazinski and suzanne marchak as well as Mackenzie Barrow and everyone else at the San Diego Zoo Global Institute for Conservation Research. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time.